St. Cloud. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jim. All right, so the uh, Timberwolves last night, not a good performance, especially defensively. They lose to the Charlotte Hornets, 128-125. Your takeaway in last night's loss? What a shame. What a waste. Uh, Carl Hugh Towns had one of the best nights of his entire career. He shot 60% from the field, 67% from three. Uh, really got fouled on the last play. Should have gone to the line with a chance to, um, you know, win or extend the game and, and pump up his point total even more. And the defense just ruined the whole night. It should have been a great night How in Timberwolves history. They played absolutely no defense. Um, Charlotte is just kind of your typical mid-range NBA team. Um, they, you know, they're not great. But the league is so stacked with talent and scores that if you don't play defense on them, they can torch you. They just had it such an easy time. They got whatever shot they wanted. Uh, they got hot. They got comfortable. The Wolves just gave away a game. Um, and, you know, the Oklahoma City loss on Saturday was a bad loss because they dominated the game for about three quarters and then they didn't close it out. This was different. This was just not playing any defense all night. Why are they having these troubles? I mean, I know that we've seen this in the past from them on occasion, but we haven't seen it a lot this year. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, you can make, let's put it this way, you can make a lot of excuses for any team in a long season. You know, it is a long season. I mean, that's the, the crux of it. You're not, it's not football. You're not just gearing up once a week. You have to, you have to be able to give the right amount of effort every night, even against lesser opponents. So, they play Saturday night. Um, they lose a game. They're probably disappointed. They probably overlook Charlotte. Charlotte isn't that good and isn't that big. And they just never got their defense going. I don't. I there's no real explanation other than just you know lack of mental and physical effort. Um, and it's going to happen to every NBA team at some point in the season. But this one felt egregious because you had. You played well enough offensively to dominate the game if you just played a little bit of defense. They just didn't stop ball penetration. Um, they didn't close out on three-point shooters well enough. I mean, there's, you know, again, we can make excuses. There's no good explanation. They just didn't play well enough. Jim, and the uh, the Timberwolves have something that I think a lot of teams don't have is that their, their top players, Towns, Edwards, they play every game. I mean, they, they don't miss time. They don't have a lot of load management. I, I know Conley missed because of, I suppose, load management last night. But some teams, their top players are missing games. And the Wolves typically don't have that. Right. Uh, and listen, this is still a, either the best or the second best regular season in history, 35-year history of the franchise. I mean, what they've done has been fantastic. Uh, last night, Anthony Edwards was questionable with an illness. He played. He didn't play very well offensively, but he played and he made an effort on defense. Um, it's just the league is so talented, you can't take a night off on defense. You just can't. Um, and it's just that simple. And especially when you pride yourself on defense, when your team is – this is a good offensive team and a great defensive team. And when they don't play defense, then they become much closer to average. Jim, we're going to find out today at 5 o'clock whether Joe Maurer gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You got a sneaking suspicion? I think he'll get in. Uh, if he doesn't get in this year, he'll certainly get in next year. But I think he's – all. everything seems to be trending toward him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. What do you think about that? Uh, I think he's deserving. Um, and I've said this many times. You know, I, I'm like a lot of people. 
you know, it was hard to watch him from two, 2011 on. Now, now, listen, he had some all-star caliber performances in that stretch. Uh, he was still one of the better catchers in baseball while he was catching. But between the physical decline, the injuries, and then switching to first base, he just wasn't the same player. We know that. Uh, so when his career is over, I went back and looked, kind of tried to wipe the slate clean and just look at what he had actually accomplished and whether he was a Hall of Fame caliber performer. And he just is. You know, the first three, no catcher, no American League catcher had ever won a batting title. He did it three times. He won an MVP. He was a annual winner of gold gloves and silver sluggers. Uh, best defensive catcher, best offensive catcher uh, in baseball or in the league. Um, you know, his on-base percentage and batting average for a catcher are off the charts. He was one of the greatest catchers who ever played the game. And what we've seen in recent years in Hall of Fame voting is, I think as a younger, more analytically driven group has come in, we've gotten away from just thinking about 3,000, the milestones, 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 300 victories, uh, or longevity. And we've gone more toward just, you know, really where do they rank among their peers? And when you compare Joe Mauer to his peers, they just aren't that many better. Yeah, I mean, when you think of best catchers, and and he was, you know, not just a good hitting catcher. He was a really good defensive catcher, too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a gold lover, uh, exceptional arm, excellent behind the plate, um, good at blocking pitches. And that's hard when you're 6'5 to move around behind the plate the way he did. Uh, speaks to his athletic ability. Uh, he, he was a great player. He was a great player, and he did enough to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and really, you can't put Kirby Puckett and Tony Oliva in the Hall of Fame and not put in Joe Maurer because Puckett and Oliva were kind of the same player. Uh, great two-way players. Oliva was an even, be- you know, was more of an offensive player than a defensive player, but he could he could field, um, and they were both great for eight to ten years. And then they had physical reasons for their decline or departure from the game. And people looked at it and said, "Yep, they were dominant enough when they're healthy that they get in." I mean, if you're going to make that argument for them, uh, it's even easier to make that argument for Maurer. Jim, the Gopher men's basketball team is going to host number ten Wisconsin. Uh, Gophers have lost three in a row. Opportunity to, to to try to figure it out. Um, this kind of feels like a big one because if they were to win this, go to four and four, win a home game against a ranked opponent, you lose, you drop four in a row. Your thoughts on tonight's game? You're absolutely right. This is a big game. Uh, you, you know, there's an opportunity here to upset a ranked team, a very good team, a very well coached team, a team that too often gets the best players from Minnesota to go over there. Um, you win this one all of a sudden you have a resume builder and you're back to 500 in the conference and you're, you have a real fighting chance for an NCAA tournament bid. You lose it and it feels like everything's falling apart. Whether it is or not, that's going to be the feeling because of the losing streak. So I do think it's a big game. It's going to be a tough one to get. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing they'll have Hawkins back, which should help. Um, they're, you know, let's, let's face it, they're outmanned. Uh, they're going to need to do a lot of things right to win. But it's not, you know, it wouldn't be the greatest upset in sports history either. Jim, the Minnesota Wild are going to play tonight. They've uh, got Washington at home uh, coming off a win, and they've been playing better lately. Uh, your thoughts on this team? Yeah, um, 
they have been playing a little bit better lately. Kaprizov with a hat trick last game, that's a great sign. He's not having a bad year, but he's not having the kind of dominant year they need him to have under these circumstances to have a good team. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue that. Um, if he leads the way, a lot of things fall into place on this roster. They have a lot of good secondary scorers. If he can be the lead scorer, if he can really dominate uh, play and and set people up and and produce a lot of points. So I'm, I'm kind of watching, you know, it's oversimplification, but, you know, if your best scorer and your goaltender play well, you got a chance. Um, Gustafson gave up one really bad goal last game, but in general, he's been okay. You know, if, if they can get a hot goaltender and a hot lead scorer, then then maybe they have a, a chance here. Where, how is Kaprizov viewed um, in NHL circles? Top 10, top 5 player? No. Um, I would say top 20. He's a, he's a very good player. The fact that he hasn't uh, had any postseason success, I think, kind of keeps him down the list a little bit. I think he's a, he's a really good player. Also, you know, he's had one absolutely dominant season, you know, two, three seasons ago, whatever year that was. Um, you know, he, he was spectacular. He was durable. He put up big numbers. Um, his other seasons have been good, not superlative. So he still has a lot to prove. You know, I mean, he's 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 a he's a wonderful player. Uh, he has a you know ton of great attributes. But you know, when you start talking about people in the superstar range, you want them to elevate the whole franchise, and he hasn't done that yet. Jim, what's the timeline as to when you think that uh, a decision is going to be made on Kirk Cousins? Uh, I mean, they have every reason to try to get that done quickly because. They need to know whether he's coming back. It'll affect how they view the draft. It'll affect how they view free agency. It'll affect how much money they have to spend on the, in the cap, how much money they can pay Justin Jefferson. Well, Justin Jefferson is going to get his money. How much money they can pay Daniel Hunter and Christian Darasoff, whether they can go out, afford to go out and get a, a true big-time free agent in, uh, you know, in, in, on defense. Uh, it's going to affect everything they do. So the Vikings are going to be motivated to get this done as quickly as possible. Cousins is probably going to want to see how the market develops a little bit. See if the Falcons really want him. See if the Steelers really want him. See if he has leverage. See if he has an option that he ends up feeling. Because, you know, listen, it's nothing easier in sports than an athlete to say, I want to be here. Because it costs you nothing to say that. And it might not be true at all. Um, So the real test is when you have other options, do you want to be here? So Cousins agents are going to want to see what his other options are. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, let's see. We have a good John Krasinski show on the Wolves up. We have a good Viking update show up on Cousins and other Vikings and NFL issues. Uh, and everything's at talknorth.com or on your favorite podcast app. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. News from ABC's.